0: Hello everyone and welcome to Showhoppers. Today we are covering Watchmen episode two, Martial Feats of Comanche Horsemanship. I am Mr. Sal, high school science teacher, re-watching Watchmen because I loved it the first time that I watched it and I am a big Damon Lindelof fan and we're kind of working on completing the Lindelof set here at Showhoppers. And I am here with my co-host and former student who's watching Watchmen for the first time I'm here with Kurt. Kurt, let me ask you a question. Are you one of those people who thinks the world is all lollipops and rainbows? I like to think so, yeah. I like to think um, the world is black and white. Very very easy way of looking at the world. Makes it a lot easier. (laughs) I love... Actually, I don't want to say which newspaper I love because I feel like they're both kind (laughs) of... I was going to pick a side on the newspaper, but I'm not going to pick a side on the newspaper front. There are so many things that I'd like to occur to you. <laughs> 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 All right, Dimwits, on with the show. So let's no, guess each other's ratings. Ratings. All right, Kurt. I think you're still a little confused but maybe not as confused as you were after episode one uh i think i think you've got a little more clarity about the lord of the manor so i think that's i think that was a primary source of confusion but i think you're not feeling as confused about that anymore or maybe you're feeling even more confused (laughs) uh but i think you're not feeling as confused about that anymore i think you're kind of acclimated here. We got, um, we saw Hooded Justice's origin story. And I know that, well, at least the fictionalized version of his origin story. And I know you're obsessed with Hooded Justice. So I think that that plays well for you. Uh, I think that you, I think you really liked the stuff going on in the bakery between Angela and Will. Um, I think you enjoyed seeing the Greenwood Center for Cultural History Um, and how that plays out with the DNA test. I think you had some predictions that were at least sort of right that kind of played out in this episode. So I think you really liked this episode. Uh, I don't think you're ready to give out a 10 yet, so I'll say you gave it a 9. I think you liked this episode less than the last one since... I don't know if it hits on as many themes the last one did. And since you've seen the series, I mean, you talked about how the last episode was so good, having seen the entire series. Maybe it does, because, you know, I haven't seen the whole series, so I can't tell whether it has or hasn't. Mm. You like the Lord stuff, because it's kind of funny. Uh, you like Angela and Will. And I think you like what the police force as a whole... I think you like that stuff the most. The police force as a whole does. Uh, I think you gave it. Right, I don't think you like it as much as the first episode. I think you gave it a 9 out of 10. You went back. All right. Well, you are correct that I did not like it as much as the first episode, but I still gave it a 10 out of 10. <laughs> There's literally nothing I don't like about this episode. Yeah. <laughs> I I can't tell you a thing a single thing I don't I dislike about this episode or even a on uh, I I am enamored with it all so I gave it a nine out of ten you got to be right. right I I don't know if I like it more or less than the first episode it's very close so okay. it's, I I so I like the first episode still quite a bit so but you did give me spot on I, I literally wrote nice to be more in the loop still some questions and yeah I put like Will Reeves still a bit about the Lord Judd's you know whole past but you know. did he did he say Reeves. No, I don't know if he did. Where did you get Reeves from? He must have said Reeves because I didn't look anything up. He said Reeves. no. It's the subtitles gave it away. Oh, <laughs> the subtitles gave it away. Stop <laughs> watching with You know what? The, the subtitles. I'm so mad at those subtitles because I know that you figured something out just because of the subtitles. I know it. <laughs> when I oh. figure it out? I'm so mad. Were they not supposed to know this? It took me forever to figure this one thing out. Not, not the Wilberry thing. It took me forever to figure this one thing out, but I had the subtitles on too, and I was like, well, son of a gun. <laughs> it's right there. Well, I'm curious as to what. <laughs> well, if you didn't figure it out, I'm not going to tell you. <laughs> well, I don't know what I'm supposed to figure out or not figure out. I wonder if it's the Lord. I don't know. Well, I don't know. We'll see. All right. Uh, yeah, so. Uh, I literally love everything about this episode. I, you know, one of the things that we, we talk about this all the time uh, on Show Hoppers is I love breathable scenes, right? So we watch an episode of Ozark and there's like 35 <laughs> scenes in an episode of Ozark. And I love Ozark, but it's dizzying sometimes because <laughs> 35 scenes over the course of an hour, it's like, well, you know, it's less than two minutes per scene. So you don't get a lot of time to let things kind of breathe. This episode, by my count, had like thirteen scenes in it. I, I, I was like, this is this is the stuff. I love this. So I love that part of it. Uh, I I loved the I loved the Hood of Justice uh, origin story fictionalized there. Oh yeah, uh, the American hero story. I loved everything in the bakery between Will and Angel. That's just I, I find just enthralling. Just I, I could just watch the two of them chat for an hour and feel like 10 minutes passed. Uh, so that was great. Uh, I, I love the stuff with looking glass in the, in the car with Angela where he's clearly interrogating. Her. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, um, and even, I don't know if you noticed it in this episode, but he he's like full Rorschach in this episode. He He's like eating under his mask while he's at home. You're right. Yeah, he keeps his mask on like a yeah. face. Yeah. Is the one that called it the face who called it a face? Rorschach. Rorschach. R- no, oh, I yeah. know that. But no. someone in the- Yeah, the um Judd said put your face on. Okay, okay. Yeah. So uh I, I, that was really cool. Uh uh she does call him glass here, so I you know, Judd called him LG last time. I'm not gonna I'm gonna drop the pretense. I'm calling him looking glass. because so, that's 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 who he is. And you know, we can call him Wade if you want to, but um, I loved, I I loved the flashback to the White Knight. So we got to see what all happened there. Oh yes, uh, that was really good. Yeah, yeah, the white I, 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 yeah. I love, I love. I think I looked away for a brief moment because I was like, the scene changed, and there was just you know Cal and Angela. And I was like, they're dancing. Now? What's going on? <laughs> and, then, and then like, I was like, is this a? And then you know the. the the fighting hack, whatever. She, the gunman yeah. came in, and she woke yeah. up in the hospital to see Judd. I'm like, ah, oh, did she die or something? Or, right. this like, or this other was like, oh, this the past. Oh, I, this the White Knight. Never mind. Never mind. This yes. Is awesome. <laughs> oh man, that's too bad. But yeah, it was so, all good. No, I enjoyed. It. Okay. okay, good. Yes, yeah, so I, I love the White Knight. I love the stuff of the Lord of the Manor. I love the play. uh The the, the big reveal when they all take their masks off and. They all have the same face. Yeah, Uh, the fact that he just literally Mr. Phillips, (laughs) yeah, literally torched Mr. Phillips in front of Montrose and was like, "You want to be the new Mr. Phillips?" Montrose was like, "I would be an honor." Whoa, okay, I'll I'll, I'll go get torched. Mm -hmm. Uh, That was great. Uh, Even the even the the scene at the newsstand, which seemed like a throwaway, is like it's so cool because the newsstand is so prevalent in. The graphic map. I know. I was wondering if they're going to have a topic of conversation. I are going to do a similar, like a comic book in the universe or something, but yeah. Well, um, so interesting that you mentioned that. So they, they, they haven't had a, a comic book in the universe, at least not yet. Um, but just some nods here that the, the actor, not the actor, I'm sorry, the character's name who plays the newsstand. Mm-hmm. Uh guy. Th- the character's name is Seymour. They, oh, yeah. They so. say it. Did they? No, say they it? do. They do because I, okay. I have it written down. Seymour and, newspaper. Yeah, and Seymour, of course, is the name of the kind of underling at the New Frontiersman in the graphic novel. Yeah, who gets the the journal? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. So so that was pretty cool. Uh, also, I don't know if you, you noticed that, like the. <sighs> this, this like you could analyze you could pick apart every scene for like half an hour we, we could spend like 10 hours on this episode but um the the scene where angela comes home uh and the kid's grandfather is there uh to to visit them and she writes them a check to leave uh, but she goes in and they're, they're playing like dress up right yeah yeah okay Oh, and the, the, the costumes are, well yeah so one's a pirate okay and they're talking about a lot of what they're talking about rings very much like the black, black freighter, freighter is yeah. the copy or the comic book from the graphic novel but then also uh so one of them's dressed like the pirate the another one is just like an owl so we're getting a Night owl. Second, yeah. epi- second episode in a row where we've had at least a mild Night Owl reference. Yeah. First episode, we had some blatant ones. Anyway, um, and Cal is dressed in this white sheet, right? Which is a, an interesting foreshadowing of what Angela is going to find in Judd's closet later. Oh, okay. Or oh, it's that's, a ghost. yeah. yeah just, you know, like Cal was playing a ghost, but you know, I, I thought that it was. Chill- rocks in his pocket. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that was yeah, go. Dude, <laughs> rocks. Go get the rocks. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> we'll put rocks in your. Pocket. Yeah, uh, it was, I thought it was so chilling when Angela opens that closet cabinet. There it and, is. And finds that oh, the the hood and the cloak. Lots. Lots of hoods, <laughs> so a lot of hiding of faces. Yeah, yeah a lots deal. of hoods and masks. It's a big, it is a big deal. So, yeah, uh, we and we meet uh, Senator Joe Keene Keane mm-hmm. Jr. Yeah. Let's we'll so, see his I, re-
1: relevance.
0: I'm sure that's not the. The end of him, no, no. <laughs> yeah, and I. uh But it, I do, I do really love this episode. I Like I said, I, there's nothing I dislike. There's nothing I even meh about it. It's I. I, I want to know all. how you can watch this without having seen the last Watchmen or uh, like reading Watchmen. Like this um, to me. I don't so, know. So, so what? Uh, it's interesting that you say it. So, what about the graph Oh yeah, the graphic novel. Do you think is important? I will so for example, they constantly keep referring to Dr. Manhattan. Oh, he lives on Mars, right? Yes. Now yeah. we know he doesn't live on Mars and well, maybe he came back and is now living on Mars. But I can understand how the people of Earth thinks think he lives on Mars. Because Wait a Hold on a second. What? what do you mean we know he doesn't live on Mars? Didn't he at the end of the Watchman comics go, I'm leaving the universe and laugh? no he did yes yes <laughs> that, was that you retesting me i mean this is 30 years later though i mean who knows it could be yeah he could have came back he could have came yeah. back but we haven't heard word of him coming back or anything like the NSA came back and the went to mars and they don't, no one knows that he came back and then left to un like left the universe because rorschach never wrote about you know he didn't rorschach already gave up his journal beforehand so like laurie and dan dryberg which i we're going to see Dan at some point, I think. and I'm, I'm excited to see Dan. Hopefully, we we'll get a Lori and Dan scene. Who knows? But, you know, stuff like that. Like, they keep talking about Dr. Wayne in general would be a super weird concept. Like, this whole this whole play the Lord does, I, I wouldn't be so confused if I didn't watch the comic. I'd be like, well, yeah. okay, what's going on? I, guess I mean, like, you have read the comic. I imagine I know. it's still pretty confusing the lord himself is a bit confusing yeah but right. i get the plays you know about right. the inception of dr manhattan and stuff but well, Jamie, i think so i th- i think that that's part of why that scene is in the episode is i get is it. it they're trying to catch people up and like show yeah them, but i, I but it, it wouldn't be like it wouldn't be the same right like i wouldn't mm-hmm. i i don't know if i would get it in the same way yeah as I do now they do talk about dr manhattan a lot in the substance. so like, like i mean so first will like claims to be Dr. Manhattan. uh Right. Yeah. people, and then Angela talks to Cal about Dr. Manhattan says, you know, he, he, he tried to convince me that Dr. Manhattan, like that he was Dr. Manhattan pretending to be human. And, uh, and Cal said something like, I don't remember what it was. It was like, he, he can't pretend to be human or something. Of course he can't do that. So, right. So, um, so there's that part. I think, I think we'll not age well. I think maybe. (laughs) Um, and then um, what else was there? There's more, there are more references to Dr. Manhattan in this episode. There's you know, the, obviously the play um, that, you know, she says he's on Mars. So even if you missed it in the first episode, you hear it now. Um, oh, so, oh, somebody said that, he, you know, he can make himself 10 feet or a uh, hundred feet tall. Or yeah, he be, yeah. He can make himself up big. Who was it that said that? I don't know. I don't remember either, but yes. Yeah, so, uh, well, anyway, the, the, he's all over this episode, even though he's not actually in this episode. <laughs> so, yeah. But he's a, or maybe he is. But anyway, he, he's all over this episode. So uh, it is It is interesting. I, I do think a lot of that is to get people who haven't read the graphic novel caught up on the, the lore of Dr. Manhattan. Here's another thing that wouldn't be as good, right? The whole Nixonville stuff. Wouldn't mm-hmm. be as good because they didn't, they didn't really referred to the history that was Nixon, right? Like we did go with Nixon Ford, yeah. then Redford. But yeah. it, you know if you if you didn't know the original he'd be like, oh yeah, well yeah, Nixon was president, and then it was Ford because mm-hmm. you know he got Watergate. Of course, that's what happened, and then okay, like, mm-hmm. hey, I guess this Redford guy came in. All right, like that's but no, but you know, don't, like, but don't you goal. think you could you could watch this and think and, and not get caught up in the Doctor Manhattan of it all, and and just say. You know, all right. I'm, my character is Angela. That, I mean, that's that's who I'm on to. Jud, Judd died. These these are both characters who weren't in the original, <laughs> original graphic novel. Um, it's it, it, there's a lot of racial tension here. I mean, racial t- tension was you know alluded to a bit in the graphic novel, but it wasn't a focus. No, not um, like this. Not certainly. So you, know, you could definitely still enjoy it without having seen the comic. Mm-hmm. I think, but I think it would be way worse. Like, I would not be giving as high ratings as I am now, had I not read the comic. Gotcha. I I think, because there'd be a lot more confusion, and things would be... Last point, I'll say on it. Mm -hmm. Well, two last points, two last points, actually. Oh, so you get the last word? Well, No, you can say something after (laughs) this. Just kidding. (laughs) Lord, 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 the Lord of the Manor, that would be way less interesting to me. you still probably be intrigued by it, but, like, you know, I got my theories on who the Lord is. I wouldn't have these theories had I not you know, right. read the comic. And the American Hero Story. Like, that I'm so interested in because I read the comic. Now, maybe you would still be really interested in it had you mm-hmm. not read the comic. But, you know. Gotcha. I'm a Hooded Justice guy. You are a Hooded Justice <laughs> I'm a <Little> Justice fan. <laughs> I to really say. I, I, uh, listeners, you know, before, like, when I just read, started reading the, the comic, and before I think we decided on that we were going to do a preview episode, I had gone up to Mr. Sal and I was like enamored by the fact, oh yeah, I love this Hooded Justice guy that like, then I'm like, he's just dead. Like that's, (laughs) (laughs) okay. All right. I don't know. He's interesting. Yeah. All right. Let's take a guess at each other's favorite scenes. Um, Speaking of Hooded Justice, because I think that was your favorite scene that you got to see (laughs) Mm -hmm. Hooded Justice in action, even if it was a dramatization or reenactment, which I kind of love that because obviously we're watching. A TV series, so anything yeah. is a dramatization, right, but that's a dramatization within a dramatization so as, <laughs> a I, drama drama really, so so I mean I don't know how much stock you put in what it's saying about head of justice i don't know if you are buying into what they're selling, but I think you loved. just I think you just loved seeing him bust through that grocery store window because that scene is in the graphic novel right the, the Hollis Mason lays out that. Scene in Under Oh, is in this first one? Yes, you're right. That's like what yeah. uh, brought him to f- that, that's and his claim to fame, exactly. And that's what got you know him into the spotlight, and that's what got Hollis Mason interested in becoming a vigilante. So I think you loved seeing American Hero Story, uh, Hooded Justice. All right, you said you liked the Will Reeves and uh, Angela you said spots. I liked everything. There's no way you're gonna yeah. glean what my favorite scene is out of what I said earlier. <laughs> Oh my god, I'm drawing a blank. I had a thought right in my mind. What was I just had it in my head? Oh, I'm so upset now. <laughs> I'm so upset. I, I had my guess and now I said that and I don't have my guess anymore. I don't wanna. Okay. Whoa, 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 whoa. Oh yeah, white knight. I think you said the white knight. Okay. See. So the the white knight is my runner up. That that ah, I love the white knight scene. I love the white knight scene. <laughs> But my favorite scene, and it's only because I've seen the whole series, that's my favorite mm-hmm. scene, uh, is the play, is the Lord of the Manners play. <laughs> the Lord of the Manners played pretty good. That was I point. was, I just, I was giddy watching this play. <laughs> I was like, first of all, Jeremy Irons, the actor who plays Lord of the Manor, is just so good at chewing up the scenery. <laughs> He's, He's really good. Like t- it's both oh, funny, yeah. but very. I mean, it's very. It's funny, but it's really good to watch. And yeah. I mean, I, every, every funny <laughs> quote of, of, from the series comes from him. Like, just like, all right, Tim, what's on with the show? Like, <laughs> just, I love it's... it. Uh, but the, he, he, I mean, the, the fact that he's just, Burns, Mr. Phillips, a yeah. lot tears, Miss Cricks, Crow- tears. <laughs> tears, tears, real tears. <laughs> do you uh, anything new, Mr. Phillips? <laughs> yeah. Oh my god! And to, and then um, I think what clinches it for me. Uh, well, before I get to the clincher part, uh, I, I love the fact that they kept the hoods on everyone, and I was initially like, "Why are they all wearing hoods?" And I was like, "Is it to so that?" the audience doesn't like get taken out of it because they're not looking at, at faces. They're looking at just black hoods. Is it just to stick with this theme of covering your face and uh, uh, this idea of um, not ambiguity? And, uh, uh, why am I trying to blank? Like, what's it called? When, when you... uh, not anonymity. <laughs> <The idea laughs> of anonymity and the things that you'll do when you're anonymous are so much different from the things that you'll do when everybody knows you are. Uh, is it that? Is it like, what, what is it? And then they take off their hoods and I'm like, Oh, Oh, that's him. That's, that's Tom mission. I, I know that guy. <laughs> so, uh, that's the actor who plays Mr. Phillips. But anyway, um, it was, so that was really cool. But the real clincher for me is, is when Dr. Manhattan says nothing ends Janie nothing i know ends. and and the lord of the manor is mouthing it along with him i was like oh so that so that gives me a theory anyway we can get to it when you get okay to that scene, so, yeah so so that um for those of you who don't uh, well actually you know i'll we'll talk about it now because we probably won't cover this yeah scene that's that much. fine yeah right so so that that line is I believe the last thing that Doctor Manhattan says to Adrian Veidt mm-hmm. awesome before Andy. he leaves. Yeah, right. So, uh, and that's in the graphic novel. So before he leaves to go to a new galaxy or whatever, um, he says that because a- Adrian says to him, "You know what I did was good, and in the end, it was the right thing, right?" And Doctor Manhattan says, "Nothing ends. Nothing ever ends." So anyway, okay. So what's your theory? Well, this makes me think. Like I, Man, I can't decide whether it's Dr. Manhattan or Adrian Veidt. I had this issue last episode. I forgot mm-hmm. who I landed on. I also forgot who you landed on. <laughs> but, but I do remember you saying both of those things. And I think you threw Hollis Mason, or not Hollis Mason, uh, Dan Driver out there too. Well, it's not Dan Dryberg. Yeah. Because Eric Dreiberg's in jail. He's in jail. So. Or so we think. But anyway. You know, they say he can't be a human, but you know, what do people, mean? they also think he's on Mars. Like, come on. He's <laughs> on Mars. Maybe he is now. Who knows? Maybe they're right. I mean, there's footage, live footage of Dr. Manhattan on Mars breaking down sandcastles. <laughs> I, he's, this could be Dr. Manhattan for so many reasons. I mean, obviously the play of the watch, blah, blah, blah. But, and also that there's duplicate people and if they seem so subservient to him, right? Mm-hmm. Maybe he made his own, like, world that's the thing and they're just well that is exactly well, what he said Exactly going, going to do His yeah, little, yeah just to r- make r- remind listeners or if you haven't read the book uh the, he, dr manhattan says i'm leaving i'm going to try to make my own life yeah I'm sick of the life on earth <laughs> well well he found new appreciation for individual lives like mm-hmm. he had never thought life was a miracle but then he has this conversation with Laurie on Mars, and dis- decides that every, even though life itself is not a miracle, each individual life is, and so he thought, "I'm going to go create some of my own." So then that's not that's to say nothing of this story. That's no, just no, the it. end of that's, yeah. that's the end of the yeah. That's what happens <laughs> yeah. in Watchmen. Mm-hmm. So I was really thinking, you know, maybe maybe this is Doctor Manhattan. Right, because you know he's got these people right under his control. But Adrian White, you know, he was doing genetic testing, not testing like he was just, you know, full. Bubastus, right? Yeah, Bubastus. And then later, I mean, we saw in last week's supplemental material that he that you know he kind of wasn't too popular anymore. But that was kind of his big comeback was that whole stick and some other stuff and selling some of his other ideas. So, you know. did he like genetically clone Mister Phillips? And he had servants in the last um, in the comics. The he three did servants the, that the Viet Cong refugees. Yeah, that seemed pretty loyal to him. He, he did kill them, <laughs> so <laughs> they would come with him. And well, this guy's killing, more. killing Mister Phillips. Too. He's well, he's willing to kill. Yeah, he's willing to kill his servants. And what does get me at is that last line. That you know, that's the line that. He said to Adrian Veidt before he disappeared. So, that, uh-huh. so if so I've land on someone. I think this is Adrian Veidt. Okay. All right. So you're kind of. You're, so if I'm reading correctly, you're in between. You're you're between Adrian Veidt and Doctor Manhattan, but leaning toward Adrian Veidt. Yes. Okay. Yes. That's what I'm doing. All right. So once we find out more information about this guy, I might call back to. Some things that have already happened, but for now, I'm gonna leave it there. Mm-hmm. Fair, fair. Okay, speaking of which, your favorite, a watch though. Oh, yeah, I think with that watch though, why would Adrian Vite care about the watch? Uh... Ah, whatever, <laughs> whatever, we'll see, we'll see, we'll go on another episode. But okay. I, I, I forgot, that's what my other thing with Dr. Manhand is Dr. Manhand, you know, the watchmaker's son, yeah, that's a... <laughs> like, how would he know about the watchmaker's son? Unless Dr. Manhand told people about it. Okay, I changed my mind. Code. It's Dr. Manhattan. Okay. There you no, go. No Final answer. answer. Okay. Uh, I'll head, uh, I, I took a good hedge there. My favorite you, scene. Yes, you definitely have hedged. <laughs> favorite, my favorite scene. Second was Hooded Justice. I put number one. I don't think you we were going to say this. The Nixonville scene with the, the cops. Oh, I, I never would have guessed that. That's interesting. Okay. I liked the um, Red Scare. <laughs> the Red Scare. <laughs> I like the Red Scare. <laughs> I thought it did a lot of world-building to me in terms of, like, the, ah. the cops are literally just, like, a gang. <laughs> it seems like <laughs> in some ways. Like, okay, you took you took our chief. They're just coming outside Nixonville, and they're gonna... We're, we're coming in. And then, like, yep. Game Inside was like, wow, that was... Wow. Well, especially, especially, in- when, especially when you have the anonymity of the masks, right? Yeah. Exactly. You can get away with things. Now, this this is not a severe... So, Tulsa massacre right I'm not uh but it is it is in that vein of like you're you guys we think did something like this we're getting you guys now obviously I don't, I don't know if they kill. I don't think they killed them they didn't show that they killed anyone but you know they didn't arrest them beat them up and stuff so you know we'll see but I it's definitely very uh well, it's interesting that, that, you, that you mentioned that in, in reference to the Tulsa Massacre because it, if you go back to the very first scene in episode one, it, was, it wasn't in this universe, actually. It was the movie, right? It was the Bass Reeves movie, Trust in the Law, right? Yeah, 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 where he's like, yeah, Trust in the Law. Yeah, where this, the... Uh, I think they called him the Black Marshal of Oklahoma, right? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Uh, and he, he runs down so, uh, some law uh, enforcement figure, right? Uh, and and the, once he tells the crowd what he's done, and, and this guy's white, uh, once he tells the crowd what he's done, the crowd's calling for him to be hanged, right? Yeah. And he says, there'll be no mob justice today. Trust in the law, right? But we see the, the chief of police hanged in this episode and the remaining police... Acting a lot like mob justice. <laughs> yeah. So not quite yeah. all the way there, but I mean Right. There. <laughs> I mean, obviously Angela and Wade, they they really hang back they don't really seem to want any part of this. Except for the one guy that she gives the beat down on. Well that I mean that but, he came after her. He did he did come after and, her. And but yeah. she did not stop. <laughs> that, that is that is the thing. Like she she took him down. And once he was down, she made sure he stayed down. <laughs> so there is definitely some rage there. She definitely wanted to, but she was restraining herself until she wasn't. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, All right. Interesting. Uh, that's it's uh, a that's a cool call, um, and it's interesting that we both guessed each other's favorite, second favorite scenes. <laughs> so. all right, Kurt. I th- believe that I am ready to uh, to enter, enter the recap. How, how about you? Yep. Uh... Okay, well, uh, we're gonna we're gonna try to go a little faster to this. We're almost half an hour into the podcast already, and we still have to do the, the PDP as well. So uh we open with a flashback to World War One Germany where Fraulein Müller, which I don't know if you caught all the Mueller references and a lot of Mueller and, and the PD. So uh Mueller of course is is the name of Rolf the circus strongman who everybody believes to be uh Hood of Justice. Anyway, Fraulein Mueller uh, types a flyer dictated to her by a military leader of some kind and the flyer is meant to entice black American soldiers over to Germany. Including Will's father, who grabs one of the flyers. Uh, it, it's th- this is really true. I, I, so this I, accurate. This this is accurate. This yeah. actually <laughs> did happen. That the, the Germans did try to entice the uh, a lot of the black soldiers from America over into Germany. But this is World War One. This isn't World War Two. But um, at any rate, Will uh, Will's father is one who gets one of these flyers, and it's also. The flyer that he wrote, Watch Over This Boy, on. He keeps the flyer. Yes, he keeps that flyer. And Angela collects Will, who's, uh, I, I call him the man in the wheelchair, but since you already know it's Will, he does say his name's Will later. But anyway, so Will and Angela are off to the bakery. She rages for a bit after she chain, uh, handcuffs him and makes him a cup of coffee. And then she gears up, minus the mask. Interesting that as she's gearing up, the only thing she doesn't put on is the mask. Yeah, Will already knows. Yes. face. Yes, exactly. Um, I think that she gears up knowing that she's going to get called out any minute. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, he says he strung up Judd because he had skeletons in his closet. (laughs) Angela takes that a little bit literally, but at any rate. um, And he also is 105, which would put him... Born in 19, this came out in 2019. So this would put him uh, 1914. 1914, yeah. Yeah. it would make sense. He's probably about six, five, seven. Nine. Right. So he'd be about seven during the Tulsa Massacre. Okay. 105. Uh, he initially claims to be Dr. Manhattan, but he recants that because he really needs his memory pills and he can't telekinesis them over to himself. <laughs> uh who is he he's will and that's about all she gets out of him she gets paged to the scene and takes his coffee mug in as evidence so uh obviously when i saw this i was thinking she was taking this to the station to test his dna at the station not so different way to test dna in this universe so at the we get the scene at the at the newsstand before we go back to the scene of the hanging where uh seymour the newsman seems to hate both Robert Redford and Joaquin. And he sells a girl a giant stack of papers and says, does she really read all these? Who do you suppose she might be? I have no idea. Lori? Maybe? I don't know. All right. All right. Okay. Wade sidles into uh, Angela's car. Oh. What's the matter? I was wondering if it's like Jane or something. Whatever. Jane? Yeah, is that, is that uh, Judd's wife's name? Oh, Jane. Yeah, you're right. Yes, that is Jane. All right, Wade uh, fills Angela in. Judd suffered. He was alive the whole time. He's got rope fibers in his fingers. Seventh Cavalry is the obvious obvious conclusion, but he t- continues to semi-interrogate her and really sets her off when he says, your kid's. And she was talking about the dinner party and she says, My kids were there, and he says, Your kids. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if you are having any doubts about whether or not these were actually her kids, but yeah. but Wade certainly is. So uh there's a there's a reporter, i presumably at least a photographer, that falls on the hood of their car and they are moths. Did you like I, the moth? Oh, Man I reference? did like the <laughs> yeah. moth. Moth uh, reference here. <laughs> Mothman. Yeah. Love I loved him so much in the Watchman comics. <laughs> he was such an interesting character he did so much with. Oh my goodness. I'm glad he got another uh, showcase. Literally well, the most you have ever done with him. Sorry, yeah, right, probably. So as Angela hugs Judd's body as as they pull him down, she flashes back to a different hug. A hug that she and Cal shared while they were dancing on Christmas Eve of the White Knight rorschach's burst into her house right at midnight so from christmas eve into christmas so it was christmas eve struck midnight and now here come the rorschach's two rorschach's she kills one but she gets shot by another she does wake up in the hospital though she's still alive and so is judd judd fills her in says that she's been out for three days and they came for everybody 40 houses all police her partner Doyle and his wife were dead, but their three kids, Tofer and the girls, hid in the basement. So Tofer, we know, is their son, and then they've got the two girls as well. So it looks like they got custody of the kids after her partner's death. Yeah. All right. And Chud tells her that the entire force is dead or resigned, except for the two of them. This makes me sus. Why, Judd? Okay, given the later context, <laughs> yeah, given the later yeah. context and the facts that Will Reeves is saying, <laughs> you know, he had skeletons in his closet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, so what? So what do you think? I don't think the Seventh Cavalry killed him. I think that he was perhaps a mole of some sort, or maybe he was just corrupt. But he, he's behind the cause of the White Knight. Okay. I mean, yeah. gotcha. We're, we're going to read later in the PDPedia that there were only three survivors of the White knight. Oh, you're right. Yeah. So we know Judd and Angela. I'm assuming the other one they're talking about is Cal. I don't know. Is Cal also was oh, he no, also because a Jane would also be considered a survivor. Yeah. So I don't. Know. The, I think I just meant like just police officers. Yeah, three police officers survived. So I, I don't know who actually who the third one is. I can't either. Remember. That's why I thought it was too. I was like, I don't know who the third one is. Maybe yeah. like Wade or something. I don't know. Yeah, it could be. Could be either Wade or Red Scare or something like that. Anyway, all right. So Red Scare wants to go bust heads in Nixonville. So off they go. And Angela does not want to do this, but ends up rage beating up a, a would be attacker. We already talked about this scene. This is your favorite scene. Yeah. Afterwards, she goes to the Greenwood Center, Greenwood Center for Cultural Heritage, and there's. I, I love this scene. It's so good. It's, there's so much. It's that's just, it's peripheral, and you you might not even notice it, but but it's there, and it just oh, adds yeah. a ton. These protesters outside of saying redfordations are uh, abominations. Um, do they do, do? Does the museum call them redfordations or do they call them reparations? Just the does who call them? Like, does the museum? Like, does the kiosk call the them redfordations? I don't think they. I don't think they say. <laughs> I'm like, just wondering. Like, I don't think. I think it's. it's I think right. redfordations is a derogatory. term. That's what I was wondering. I was like, yeah, I because I don't be think. I don't think the museum uses either term, redfordations right. or reparations. But anyway, the, so the, the, all these protesters outside are white, and the, they they're protesting and saying that the redfordations are abominations, and that all. Americans should pay uh, tax, the same taxes. It's and... a pretty good slogan. <laughs> I guess so. <laughs> I guess so. Gotta, I like the rhyming of it, but yeah, go on. So I don't know if you noticed this. Uh, this is really tough to, to hear, but Wait. go ahead. Oh, he, oh I was going to say the holograms, I thought we were Yes, going the holograms on. are pretty cool, but one of them was a soldier, right? Oh yeah, it was a Will Reeves dad. It looked like it was Will Reeves dad. I'm not sure if it was exactly him, but it definitely was a soldier Mm -hmm. uh, that that looked like Will Reeves dad. And he did you catch what he said? No, I did not catch what he said. I put on my uniform hoping that would help. Oh, like (laughs) like hoping that it would keep him safe oh man that's I mean that's brutal so i mean this is this is the uniform that i i mean I don't know a lot about the exploitation of black soldiers in world war one but mm-hmm. i i I have heard at least that much that there that it was exploitation so um this this uniform that he risked his life in uh, while being exploited by uh white Americans. He puts it on now to hopefully protect him, and it couldn't. Yeah. So this, this is pretty cool stuff. Um. Anyway, Angela tests Will's DNA at a kiosk that checks for the eligibility for reparations from the Tulsa Massacre for survivors and their direct descendants. And this guy, by the way, on the kiosk is H- Henry Louis Gates Jr. He's a Harvard professor. He's an actual, like, scholar. Oh, wow, okay. But... In this world, he's the Secretary of the Treasury somehow. But anyway, all right, back home, Angela approaches this guy who's the, I, assuming the kid's grandfather. Does that say, sound reasonable to you? Yeah, yeah, it makes sense. Okay, uh, is waiting to take the kids for his day. Angela pays him off to leave. He won't take a rain check, but he'll take a real check. He, he actually hates seeing the kids, but she always does this. <laughs> yes. Yes. Uh, Cal wonders if they're safe and, and tells Angela that uh, Angela or that Jane is having uh, people over tonight. Uh, she sounded fine, even though he knows she's not, just like Angela. So Angela goes upstairs to talk to Topher about Judd's death, break the news to him. They seem to be kindred spirits. They both remember their parents dying. Neither of them do lollipops and rainbows. They see the world as it is, black and white. And Topher takes the news okay. He says, "Ah, he was a policeman. Policemen die. But he obviously is not as okay as he might seem as he crushes his big giant sculpture. Um, It's like building a city and then he destroys it all. Yeah. That's Dr. Manhattan. (laughs) Oh, Dr. Manhattan. (laughs) Topher. Uh, Topher. Uh, Also, uh, clearly doesn't know that Angela is still a police officer. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. So... All right. We get the American hero story. Uh, it's watched by several people. So Topher and Cal are watching it. Uh, Rorschach, uh, not Rorschach. <laughs> uh, Rorschachs have it on. The, but... the Rorschachs are watching it too while they assemble some kind of vest that looks really uh, dangerous. Uh, and Looking Glass is watching it while eating a TV dinner with his mascot. <laughs> the, uh, the content warnings. Oh, uh, brutal. Brutal. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of content warnings, <laughs> but you know what? If we've read Watchmen. We know that's all accurate. <laughs> uh, anyway, the open, the American hero story opens with Ralph, Mueller, Ralph Mueller. just like Caroline Mueller from the opening scene. Uh, Ralph Mueller is dead, uh, but he says, that's not me. I just need the world to think it is. So whether we believe that to be true is a whole other story. American this is Hero dramatized story, yeah. American Hero story is coming down on the side of Ralph Miller is not Hooded Justice, and that he's still alive. And Hooded Justice is, that, at least, is 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 not dead at that point. Yeah. yeah, right. Yeah, so that's what the side they're coming down on. We have to choose whether we believe that or not. Well, I can't, but you can if you want. Oh, man. I mean. I you know, I want Hooded Justice to be alive. Okay. I want it. We, I don't think it. Okay. <laughs> my heart and my mind, Mr. Sal. <laughs> this, 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 is, this is the eternal quandary of, of humanity. It's cognitive dissonance. Okay. So, uh, so d- dramatization, we get this dramatization of Hooded Justice, his uh, origin story breaking through that window busting heads of the robbers Now, I don't know if you noticed this but that the brutal the, it, yeah, it was very brutal but um, the criminals doing performing the robbery are wearing the same masks that the police would be wearing now there's different colors but th- that I found pretty striking that in this world where Hood of Justice is busting heads it's the criminals wearing masks and now it's the police wearing masks I didn't notice that connection but yeah because they don't the, the robbers don't wear like ski masks. They just wear like the the bandanas. bottom part. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, like the, the bandana gator type things. Okay. At Jane's house, Joe Keen is there and offers Angela all the resources that she needs to catch this guy. But, you know, she, she's retired. He, she doesn't know what he's talking about. So, this is another reason why I'm sus. I'm Judd and right? Keen mm-hmm. is good friends with them. Mm-hmm. Judd. Keen is on. Seemingly the right side, which is, you know, the Rorschach supporters would like more. And he he appears to know Angel is a when, cop. When you say the right side, do you mean politically or do you mean correct? Politically. Okay, gotcha. On the political right, got gotcha. the, po- the political right for this universe where the Rorschachs mm-hmm. are. Okay. And it would appear to me, I think it's kind of obvious, that he, he seems to know that Angel is a cop. So I'm assuming him and Judd have talked about it. Yeah. So why well, I, I think um. But Angela doesn't seem like he's supposed to know that, so I, I think uh, a little sus to Judd. So, but sus for what? Like, the, the, so I guess is there a a mystery you're trying to solve right now? <laughs> mystery. Well, I mean, you're, you're like you're, you're suspicious, of, uh, but like, uh, what what yeah. are you trying to solve right now? Are, 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 uh, he's got some you skeletons think... in his closet. I think. Uh, <laughs> okay. Uh, do, you think killed, do you think he killed? you think who who do you think killed Judd? oh uh, Will Reeves. Are you buying that? Well, well, I don't think the 7th Cavalry killed him. Okay. Do you think Joe killed him? No. Do you think Will Reeves killed him? Maybe. Do you think Looking Glass killed him? No. I don't know who killed him. <laughs> so that, but, that, but that, that... Calvary. I'm trying to see where his connections were. So I think he was friends with Keen. Right? Yeah. And he's I think he was corrupt or working against the police in some way. He wasn't at the best interest of the, the police department. Gotcha. I don't know why you don't think Will Reeves killed him. Will Reeves said he killed him. <laughs> I said I said that. And then you went, Really? You think that I mean he said it. People say a lot of things. You are not buying a 105 year old could do that in a wheelchair. Maybe he did. Listen, I, he has friends in powerful places. That's for sure. Well, clearly. So I, think clearly. <laughs> so I think, I think, I think he may have, but indirectly. Okay. He does say high places, by the way, which yeah. is more appropriate based on the <laughs> ending. <laughs> At any rate. Okay. Uh, Angela passes out. Uh, What's real or fake? Probably fake. Sure. Seems fake. Uh, it was all a ruse because uh, to get into the bedroom, uh, with her night vision X-ray goggles, where she finds a KKK outfit and a hidden panel of the closet. And as she leaves, we see that titular painting. The th- so this is the, the painting. Yeah, this is, the painting is where the title of this episode comes from. Yeah. Uh, the martial feats of Comanche horsemanship. Hmm. Okay. On to the manor. Where the Lord rides his horse up to a tomato tree? Okay, good. Good. It's not just me. <laughs> I saw that. I was like, tomatoes don't grow in trees. <laughs> you right. right. They do I don't want to sound they, stupid. No. I thought ice. it was an apple. I was like, oh, an apple. No, it's definitely a tomato. And oh, Jesus! God we Dr. Manhattan. Oh, but the, Adrian Vite <laughs> had the genetic stuff. <laughs> anyway, go on. Okay. Uh, this is another anniversary. Although the Lord seems to want to just be done, he with wants the to play. So, yeah, yeah. yeah, all right, Tim. <laughs> I can't. I can't stop saying it. All right, Tim. What's on with the show after <laughs> after some acting tips? Real tears, Crookshanks. <laughs> I love it. I love Jeremy Irons so much. Okay, uh, then we get the performance. I'm not going to go all the way through this. Yeah, uh, we've already talked about this quite a bit, so we can we can skip ahead. But the, that that chilling line of Nothing Ever Ends is just, well. Oh. the it's Lord loves, loves that. Guilt. I like yeah. it. Yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. He's very pleased. All right. Last scene at the bakery. Angela returns to find Will cooking the eggs that he got from the grocery store across the street. He was handcuffed in a wheelchair to her sink or counter or whatever. And he went to the grocery store Angela shows him the the robe the KKK robe and accuses him of planting it so despite this I mean this is a a pretty substantial bit of evidence against judge here it's pretty damning and she can't see that she believes that Will planted it and she threatens to bring him in and he says that's all right I just get rescued anyhow I've got friends in high places <laughs> this guy is so alpha. He's, he's, oh. he, he left for the grocery store, I, came back. He's, oh, yeah, I, whatever. I love Will Reeves. I love <laughs> Will Reeves so much. <laughs> like, he's another one. Just, that's why I, I said I could listen to these two just chat for an hour and feel like 10 minutes. By the way, I, I don't know if this was intentional or not, but the fact that his last name is Reeves uh, could be a, res- a, a reference to Christopher Reeves. Do you know Christopher Reeves? No. Christopher Reeves uh, was. The oh wait, actor. the Winnie the Pooh thing? No, no, that's Christopher Robin. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Christopher Reeves w- was the actor who played Superman in the Superman movies. Okay, and um, he, the actor, not Superman, but the actor <laughs> had Clark had, uh, had, I believe, a horse riding accident and was paralyzed from the waist down. So, right. so he spent the latter half of his life in a wheelchair. Um, so I'm wondering if this is a reference to Christopher Reeves, just like an homage type thing. But anyway, she, the phone rings, she answers it and she finds out that will is a survivor of the Tulsa massacre and that she herself is his granddaughter, but she places him under arrest anyway. No, no nepotism here. (laughs) And when she gets him into her car, the car gets lifted out of there and the flyer, from the very beginning of the episode, floats down just like it did at the beginning of the episode into Angela's hands. Um, and by the way, the closing credits—I don't know if you noticed the song at all. No, what was the song? It was Eggman by the Beastie Boys. <laughs> no. Will Reeves had just been, you know, boiling eggs and eating eggs and. That, that cheeky grin he had as he was getting flown away. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty good, right? Oh, man, I'd be so mad if my car got taken away. I know. A criminal. Man, <laughs> I don't know what i do. do. Like, how do I explain I... that? They're not going to believe me. I, no, say it. I know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I got to just man. buy a new car and pretend like nothing ever happened. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> oh, boy. All right. Well, that is the end of the recap. Uh, shall we check the time or shall we dive into the PDPedia? What do you think? Do you... I'd like to check the time. Hey, let's look at the time. Oh, whoa, I was not expecting that. I was, it's TV time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, ain't no time. Look like at TV time. All right, Kurt Scalve, one to five. What did the people say, Five. you got it, man. I have to, I have, to I have to open up TV time though to actually figure <laughs> out what the actual percentage was. So in the meantime, I will say that the character that was your favorite, I believe, was once again Angela Abar. I think the people's favorite was Angela. I think your favorite. See, yours is a lot harder to read because yours, is, yours is, can be very dependent on a rewatch. Oh, so let, <laughs> let me interject here. Sixty-six uh, percent was the people's vote. F- five stars. Yes, five stars. So yep. So people said Angela, and you know, I feel like your vote might be whoever the Lord is, but I'm gonna go with you said Angela as well. I did say Angela. I, yeah. She's just she's all over. I she's said Angela seen. as well. She's in yeah. every scene except for the Lord of the Manners, right? I think right. I think she's in yeah. every scene. I think yeah, basically right. Yeah. So I mean, besides like and and, and oh, the, the opening, first scene too. Opening, yeah. But, okay. okay. But yeah, and she's she's awesome. She's fantastic. She's so she's so interesting. You know, the White Knight that was it was incredible. The this your favorite scene was phenomenal. Uh, every every scene she had with Will Reeves, like I, you know, I considered Will Reeves as a as a possibility here. But then I was like, but everything that Angela was right there with him the whole time. Plus, she did all this other great stuff. So yeah, I went with Angela, and the people did too. Eighty four percent, reasonable. How about you? Oh, yeah. I also said Angela. Yes, you got me right. There we go. Boy, it is really fun looking at some of the comments on TV time. Can I go look at them? Uh, No. But but most of them are like, WTF? (laughs) What? Oh, just like confusion. <laughs> yeah, I'm telling you, I'd be so much more confused if I did not read the comic. Well, we, and along with that, I also want to be note too: how many people are reading the supplemental material? That's a I mean, great. When it's too, well, right? not, nobody anymore. Exactly. Not exactly. <laughs> exactly. This is worrying. Like, you can't. Yeah, that's. Is. And I don't know why they took the supplementary material down. It's really. Well, just, well, it costs a lot of money good, to good. to be hosting this stuff. You know <clears> what I mean? really, yeah, HBO has none. <laughs> I'm sure it costs but, a lot of money. But just to to go <laughs> along with your point there you can vote on emotions that the episode made you feel as well, and the most commonly voted emotion was shocked sixty two percent but the second most was confused twenty seven percent of the people watching this episode I'm not surprised like if, yeah. I, if I told a friend like I can't tell a friend, go watch maybe i can we'll we'll see I'll, I'll keep watching this you tell them go read the book first I can't tell them re- go read the book, but I feel like I can't tell them go watch that series because like <laughs> Yeah, there's, like, supplemental reading in between. There's, like, that's not even available online publicly by HBO anymore. Yeah. And it's based yeah. on this comic book. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see. Maybe, you know, we'll see as time goes on. But I'm liking it. That's all that matters to me. Exactly. So. Oh, hey, that that's what matters to me, too. Well, also the fact that I really love it. So, yeah. Okay. So, Kurt, are you ready to peruse the PDPedia? Oh, let's. What have okay. PD got for us, Mr. South? Well, we've got three items this week. We've he got made the, three things. Well, no, he only made one <laughs> of three things, but in his PDpedia, there are three files. One is the Road to Reparations, which is uh, an adaptation of an actual Supreme Court dissent opinion. We've got not Supreme Court. I'm sorry, Oklahoma Circuit Court. Uh, uh, we'll get there. Um, we've got. Masked vigilantes in pop culture memo that uh, P, uh, Agent My PD actually team. wrote, <clears throat> and we have the Tulsa Police Chief feared slain. Uh, is a newspaper article about Judd's death. Let's uh, let's stick with what we saw in the episode. And let's, <clears throat> okay, let's start with uh, Judd's death. Uh, the police article. sounds good. So this one, uh, it's, just, it's, it's more or less it's. Uh, it reads a lot like an obituary. It's not exactly that, but it's, it's, it reads like an obituary. So uh, just to summarize here, uh, some of the highlights. <clears throat> uh, it says rumors swirled through Tulsa that Mr. Crawford had been murdered by the white supremacist organization known as the Seventh Cavalry. Uh, you said already that you don't believe this. Yeah, I don't think that's true. Okay. Uh, they do cite this uh, security and confidentiality privileges given to city law enforcement under the defense of police act so my guess is and i think it's actually confirmed no i guess not my guess is that that this is the res- a direct result of the white night yeah oh yeah it's also, that makes sense it's a it's a law that was sponsored by senator keen joe keen yeah. jr all right um we we hear that uh Judd was one of three survivors of the deadly attack that's how i knew that earlier and they do say that the white knight was 2016 so which would have been 3 years prior mm-hmm. okay um interestingly Judd served under Captain Robert S Mueller <laughs> oh i didn't in, notice that one. in the in the liberation of vietnam so our third miller for the episode <laughs> interesting uh it says that Judd was a fourth-generation law enforcement professional, so his great-grandfather, his grandfather, and his father were all in law enforcement, and I think an uncle as well. Yes, his father's twin brother, so his father was a twin. Uh, And it says that uh, Judd uh, and Jane, whose maiden name was uh, Alexander, um, had no children do you have anything else you want to add from this article uh, No, not really okay let's move on how about we do uh mass vigilantes and pop culture okay the memo okay. agent pd's memo so he is very concerned it's just like yeah. in the uh, the first episode agent pd was very very concerned about uh, what was he concerned about why am i drawing a blank on this Nothing. He was fine. Nothing was of concern. No, he was worried about them declaring Vite dead. That was something. That's was what it was. Yes, yeah. he was worried that they, because that would incite the Rorschachs. Well, now he's worried about American Hero Story doing, <laughs> guess what, inciting the Rorschachs. And he might so, be the right guy here. Yeah, he, was, he seemed to be spot on with the Vite thing. Yeah, yeah. So uh, we do learn that season one of American Hero Story focused on Rorschach himself. But we also learned that American Hero Story takes tends to take kind of a left, uh, politically left bent to all of their work here. I would love to see this Rorschach, <laughs> as as portrayed by a a, a lefty. Uh, I'm fine. Media outlet. I don't, it doesn't matter whether he's crazy or not to me. I, I'm, I, I'm a fan of I'm a fan of the work. Oh, you want to see season one? Is what you're saying? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I got you. Okay. Yeah, yeah. All right. So um, you're telling no. me none of these supplemental material or videos? None of the supplementary material. Okay. It's all, it's I was all. saying it was yourself. One of them turns out to be a video. Thank you. You got me. I've been really good. <laughs> like I'm looking forward for it. I'm so confident you're getting me with the second. now I'm expecting it. So <laughs> I'll be disappointed uh, if one's not. There, go on. I wanted to, to read <laughs> this uh excerpt from this article about the the political spectrum and and his worries about american hero story he says however given the reverence among conservative psych- psychographics for edward blake aka the comedian super soldier nihilist on the wortham spectrum and given the liberal perspective of the storytelling we should expect a critical take on the comedian that might irritate and antagonize his fans so he's worried about what uh, a liberal portrayal of the comedian is going to do to his very conservative fans. Fair. We also have, uh, in addition to American Hero Story, we have a, a re-release of an album by the Sons of Pal Horse, who uh, Pal Horse was the uh, death metal group band uh, that was playing at Madison square garden when the squid fell basically on it. Oh, so, uh, this other group popped up afterwards called sons of pal horse. And they released a book called or not a book, uh, an album called the book of Rorschach because they were big Rorschach fans. Although he does view this as what he calls squid exploitation. I love that term. <laughs> You're right. Yeah. Squid exploitation. Fantastic. Uh, so this is, and This album was inspired by Rorschach's journal, and he uh, he thinks that this could, uh, I, I've, as did by being declared dead, as he thinks American Hero Story did or will do. This could incite the Seventh Cavalry, who are big Rorschach fans. Even and then, you talk about like all the profiles that, like uh, that, it, like this could hit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. That's interesting. Like how they this this whole profile, but not. I wonder if this is just for like this. Oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah, so I, I can read what the, that excerpt is. Oh, okay. so yeah, the uh, the record is known to be populated with two types of vigilante profiles on the Wortham spectrum: the rare objectivist messianic, and the so savior complex, right? Uh, and the increasingly common parliamentary nihilist and obviously sorry thank you paramilitary nihilist <laughs> parliament, uh, they believe in democracy <laughs> <you know? laughs> parliament i almost did it again paramilitary nihilist an obvious example would be the seventh cavalry there you go yeah all right um by the way speaking of seymour the actual new frontiersman seymour uh turns out to be uh kind of a uh, I don't know, an expert, I suppose. So, so wait, so is Seymour the, the young intern or is this yes. the adult? Oh, so no. the young intern's the one. Like, okay, yes. all right, go on. See, yeah, so. It says, uh, Petey says, if you know the lore behind Rorschach's journal, then you know that Seymour, David, was the one who discovered it while working as an editorial assistant at the New Frontiersman in the 80s. He exploited the small fame he gained. <laughs> For making this lucky find to launch a career as a scholar of postmodern culture. Petey's PD, throwing mad shade. <laughs> oh, yeah. He doesn't he know. Yeah, that. he says right here, I'm reluctant to use my CV as an offensive weapon, but I have a doctor in history. And this man <laughs> knows nothing of it. <laughs> and he also calls... He also calls <laughs> His writing portrays the band as misunderstood misfits who made a quote-unquote masterpiece. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, yeah. So, no, he's no fan of of Seymour David. You don't say. (laughs) So, again, his concern is, as he says, we should consider the possibility that the re-release of the Book of Rorschach might further stoke renewed interest in him. There you have it. All IT right. visual anti-task force, research unit, sub-basement one, room X, Task two. <laughs> yes, exactly. All right. Finally, uh, the road to reparations, which is a, if you read, I don't know if you read the bottom first, the end first. This is, this document was adapted and edited from the dissent in Alexander versus state of Oklahoma, December 13th, 2004. Um, oh, I did not read that, but so it's actually yeah. like, Oh, so this is not like Watchmen, right now? This is them saying, like, "Listen, we we actually made this from this document, or is this like in canon?" I'm I'm confused now. Well, it's it's edited and adapted, so it's hard to t- to parse what's actually true and what's well, what I'm made saying up is, this universe. Well, it, is this the like the person that wrote this as just like you know as a fake court case? Did they write this to let us know, hey, listen, this is how we got it, or is this like? part of the document like the fictional universe document okay so (laughs) i can tell you a few things so this Mm. this case actually did happen all right okay so it was um so you can look up alexander versus state of oklahoma oh okay and it it actually happened and there were as this article says over 200 plaintiffs um basically suing the city of of tulsa uh and the case was thrown out because they had the, the court deemed that this is not the Supreme Court. This is the 10th Circuit Court of mm-hmm. Oklahoma. Anyway, um, they deemed the statute of limitations had expired. Oh, yeah. So there's a lot to this article i am going to hit on some of the themes here i, I this really is dense. this is very deaf i i mean it, it's hard it took me a long time to read this it's four pages long but it took me a long time because you know it's it's court speak it, you know, it's, it's, it's legally is, legally yeah. yeah so um but wh- some of the things that i did glean out of it uh whoever wrote this says what must one do to prove the exceptional importance remedying the generational legacy of our original sin so Original sin, I, I assume, being slavery. I think slavery is frequently referred to as the original sin of the United States. But th- there's a lot in this dissenting opinion about generational trauma, generational uh, poverty, compounded loss of earnings. Like, it's, it's a topic that I had never really thought much about, even though I heard about it a little bit before I saw Watchmen. Watchmen really brought this to the front of my mind and I've, I've really been kind of haunted by it ever since, you know, it's been, you know, even thinking about my students here, because, well, let me me finish going through the article and then we'll talk about that. All right. Um, Because some of this is obviously edited because they do refer to the, the squid on November. So, uh, but anyway, Uh, One of the statements here uh, is indeed official government action by the city of Tulsa and the state of Oklahoma fueled this carnage by deputizing and arming the mob, effectively creating a vigilante police force. So they're talking about vigilantes during the Tulsa massacre, which, uh, you know, this is way before way before this is well before (laughs) Hooded Justice. Right. Yeah. So but a vigilante uh, police force. Right. It's we've got some some statistics here uh, in Oklahoma specifically there were 23 lynchings in 1921, up from one in 1911. So, lynchings were becoming much more common. Uh, we have here a statement that says the acts committed during the Tulsa massacre were and are certifiably criminal. Yet not one was then or ever has been prosecuted or punished by government at any level, municipal, county, state, or federal. And I do believe that actually is true because no prosecutions have ever come out of the Tulsa Massacre. Dang. All right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, This is also true. The original name of the Tulsa race, uh, Tulsa Massacre, was the Tulsa Race Riot of 1921, but this dissenting opinion argues that that choice of words is ridiculous because who was the race that was rioting? Right? Yeah. Um, so instead, it is now called referred to as the Tulsa Massacre. Um, so more about general, uh, generational trauma and ger- generational poverty and so forth. Uh, these reports led the commission... The, so the commission uh it, that they're referring to here is the final report of the the oklahoma commission to study the 1921 tulsa massacre this is real this, this is real yeah. the commission was real yes so uh the the commission to state what happened in tulsa stays as important and remains as unresolved today as it 1921 what happened there still exerts its power over people who never lived in Tulsa at all. And this is an important theme of generational poverty, generational trauma, which I want to talk a little bit more about after I finish going over this. So they list here a whole bunch of other cities, Lexington, Sepulpa, Norman, Shawnee, uh, mm-hmm. Lawton, Claremore, Perry, Warica, Dewey, Marshall, and, um, these are all other places where there were similar, not, not I shouldn't say similar, not nearly the scale of the Tulsa massacre, but also race-driven um, attacks. Okay. Mm-hmm. And what the commission argues is that these discrete acts, one act, one town, each consciously calculated to have a collective effect, not against a person, but against a people. The one purpose was to keep one race quote in its place, which is just a disgusting thing to think about. But um, it has been kind of thematic throughout American history that when a black community gets to be too affluent, something like this happens and kind of knocks it down. Um, The, the fact that nobody really said anything about this for like 75 years after it happened uh, was called the a conspiracy of silence um, he uh, the dissenting uh, opinion makes this point in, in describing the various assaults on the African-american community and in a resounding denunciation of the, a denunciation of the system that prevailed in the aftermath of the massacre the Commission stated in some, government participated in the deed and some government performed the deed and none did government prevent the deed and none did government punish the deed so uh, they're claiming the government is at least complicit if not responsible for these uh massacres okay the city's response, the city of Tulsa made this argument in response. The descendant plaintiffs do not have standing to sue, relying principally on in, I don't know what this means, in re, African-American slave African American slave descendants litigation. The city argues that a genealogical relationship between a descendant and someone who actually suffered harm is insufficient to confer standing. To have standing, one, the plaintiffs must have Suffered an injury. In fact, two. There must be a causal connection between the injury and the con- conduct complained of. And three, it must be likely that the injury will be redressed by a favorable decision. That's that's a lot of red tape to go to jump through here. Yeah, standing fair enough. Yeah, you need a you need to show why you're relevant to the case. I guess yeah. So they're yeah. So they're that. saying that you have to have. This happened to you. Directly. Directly. <laughs> yep. Um, because of this person you're complaining about and that it could be made better by a favorable decision. Mm-hmm. A lot of red tape. Anyway, we finally get this, which is, uh, I I see this as the case that this, whoever wrote this dissent, is making for reparations. So says, this was a crime that has carried forward in time, its traumas and consequences compounding and defining the conditions of their existence across generations unto this very minute. And so this evil exists on an active and unbroken continuum of history, its degrading effects felt at all points at once, which sounded a lot like Dr. Manhattan to me. Oh, yeah, I guess you're right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> So anyway, uh, but I want I want us to be paying attention to this idea, this theme of generational trauma and generational poverty. Um, I started, once I saw Watchmen, I started, I'd never really thought about this concept before. And I started thinking about it regarding my students, the idea that you know I, I teach in a kind of a rural, low-income district, Uh, And we do we do have poverty where I teach and a lot of a lot of our students um, grow up in poverty, uh, feel the need, the immediate need to bring money into the household. Uh, And so they go to work. Um, Some of them drop out of school so that they can work and bring money into the household. Some of them neglect school because they're working and trying to bring money into the household Um, and because they neglected because school was neglected. Um, they end up with lower paying jobs in the future and the cycle of poverty continues. So um, generational poverty is a real thing. Uh, generational trauma, uh, you can, you, I mean, there's pl- been plenty of research done about this, but the, just chemically, if, you're, if you experience a lot of trauma, it does chemically change the way your body operates. Um, you tend to operate with more adre- adrenaline more frequently. And if uh, you are raising children in that environment, they are going to be raised with more adrenaline more frequently, which then impacts their relationships, it impacts their physiology, and it impacts uh, their children. Uh, and so trauma can be passed down generationally as well. So um, the case for reparations has always been generational trauma and generational poverty. Uh, and so the Watchmen, I think, endeavors to kind of show that here. It's a big uh, – no, I haven't seen Lovecraft Country. Yeah. So I don't know how much they I – mean, I think it's a much more pivotal part maybe in that series. I know you have. But mm-hmm. well, this is really – I mean, it's very front and center talking about the Tulsa massacre now. Oh, Yeah. 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 Well, Lovecraft Country um, is mostly set in one time period There there's uh, that's that's, you know, in the Jim Crow South. So. Um, yeah, I mean, I, that's the, there's also arguments made in that, although I think the arguments are more overtly laid out here in Watchmen. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you have actual reparations being paid. Yeah, with... <laughs> so, yeah. Anyway. Okay. Oh, Kurt, I'm loving yep. watching Watchmen. We've only got good. seven episodes left. The next episode is entitled, She Was Killed by Space Junk. <laughs> what are these titles, <laughs> These titles. Are, they're, they're something. There's something. You know man. what? You think about the titles of the chapters... In the graphic novel though. I, want to say I don't know if I want to remember the titles for the episodes. Because they're too long. Maybe I will. Like I remember them: um, Watchmaker's Son. Right? Or... Oh in in the graphic novel you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, yeah, or, uh, yeah. Was that, you, I, mean, it was, I don't know if it was Watchmaker's Son. It was just Watchmaker. Uh, um I no. It, it was, uh, I should have been a watchmaker. Should have been a watchmaker, exactly. I don't know if I know. I'm I trying to, try to flip to through the, the graphic novel right now. I'm having trouble finding Chapter any four, any titles. I think, so cha- chapter three, The Judge of All the Earth. Chapter four is... That one's the watchmaker one. No, it's not. No, I, not. I, I don't see a title in chapter four. Um... Usually they have like the 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 timer, a little bit of intro than the title. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Oh, you're right. It's like the next page or chapter. Uh, it's like a six cold open. Is the abyss gazes also because they're all like partial quotes in yeah. the graphic right. novel. Yeah. So then they tell you is... the full quote at the end of the chapter. Yes, exactly right. Um, yeah, I must have missed the. I should have ah, watched Watchmaker one, but anyway. Yeah. So. Oh. Yeah, old ghosts. Yeah, I guess these are not as outrageous as this series. The darkness of mere being. Yeah, these these, these make sense as titles, don't they? Two riders were approaching. <laughs> anyway, but yeah, look well, on my works, ye mighty. All right, we can we can stop looking at titles and look in the graphic novel. <laughs> uh, Kurt, I'm excited to watch this third episode. As uh, my- listeners i hope that you enjoyed our guys are enjoying our coverage of Watchmen. i hope you you stick with us uh we've got some exciting stuff happening in the show hoppers universe i'll tell you what that is as soon as i remember because (laughs) i don't actually know when we're dropping this but uh the i guess oh No, I do know when we're dropping this. Very, very, very. This is a big one. Yes. Uh, Next week we're moving Watchmen to Monday, so you've been listening to Watchmen on Thursdays, but we're moving Watchmen to Monday, so that on Thursday we can cover the premiere episode, season one, episode one of the Last of Us, brand new HBO series. It's actually really good if you like, you know, you're enjoying this podcast. You don't have to wait a whole week for the next coverage. Just wait till Monday. There you go. There you go. Yeah, uh, Kurt. I don't know really much about The Last of Us. This is kind of that's kind of be your show to cover. So I did. I have played the game. I've replayed the game in anticipation for this. I'm, I'm, I'm hoping. Uh, will we'll see. I, I from what I can tell, the narrative follows the video game narrative. So. If it does, I mean, it it was a critically acclaimed game in 2013. Uh, People raving about the story. It's also fun gameplay as well. But uh, there's definitely very good story elements. I'm curious to see what they uh, adapt. Because I I, I could see not all of it working as is directly on TV for 10 episodes. But Mm -hmm. there's definitely some good stuff there. There's some very good stuff there. And I'm, I'm this could be a very good series. And I'm excited to see it. So... I'm excited to cover it. I, I did see the, the official trailer and it looks pretty amazing. So I'm, I'm excited. All right. So folks, if you'd like to contact us, showhopperspodcast at gmail.com. If you like the show, then leave us five-star ratings and reviews. Follow us, like us, uh, share the podcast around, tell your friends and neighbors about it. We'd appreciate that. Uh, as always, we'll be back next week. For she was killed by space junk. Fantastic! Bravo! Shoe hammer some showhoppers into your day.